seated for just a moment. But this is what she said. She said, Dear New Life, I'm writing you to say I'm sorry from the bottom of my heart. I know that the way I left had so many people wondering what was happening with me. But I was hurting inside so bad I didn't know which way was up. I didn't know how to deal with my pain inside. Nobody knew what I was feeling because I was hiding so much. The one thing that I've regretted is not giving you guys a proper goodbye. You guys were like family to me when I had no family around, and it did break my heart when I left. But I felt that there was nothing else I could do but leave, and I didn't want to make things worse on anybody. Reba and Jerry, I feel like I owe you and your family the biggest apology. I know the way that I left hurt you badly. I ask your forgiveness for everything that I did. My thinking was clouded, and I never meant to hurt you in the way that I did. I think about you guys all the time. I did want to say thank you for opening up your home to me when I had no place else to go. It meant the world to me, and I will forever be grateful for your kindness. I know God has placed extra jewels in your crowns for what you did for me. For the rest of the church body, I want to apologize. I ask you guys forgiveness. I know that when I left, people had to pick up the slack where I was because I was so involved in the church. It's broken my heart that I let everybody down. I just pray that you guys find just a little bit of forgiveness in your hearts toward me. I know I don't deserve your forgiveness, but please forgive me. I miss all of you dearly and want to mend what I broke. Sincerely, Bree. Now, I want to tell you, I think it takes a mighty big person to write a letter like that. And um, I, don't see that, I don't see that there are any options here except for us to forgive. In fact, the Bible teaches us that if we want forgiveness, we must first extend forgiveness. And I just think it would be good if we would just pray for Bree and pray that God would help her and touch her. She's going through a whole lot of things right now. And um, she needs the help of God. She needs God to direct her and God to heal some hurt. And those of you who don't know what all she had gone through before she ever came here, you may never understand everything that has clouded her mind caused her at times to perhaps not make the best decisions but I don't think there are any among us that can say that every decision we've ever made was the best I think all of us have things in our past that we probably regret doing amen and to me this is what being a Christian is really all about is extending forgiveness and love and reaching out Amen. I, I, when, when she talked to me, I said, Bree, you, you need to understand, I, I granted you forgiveness long before this phone call was ever made. There's nothing in my heart and never has been except love and concern for you and wanting God's very best in your life. And that's what we want, isn't it? I think it'd be good if we would stand and pray for Bree right now and Let's just ask the Lord to help her and, and, um, and to, to give her grace in the days ahead. Let's pray together right now, everybody.
Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. While you remain standing, if you would turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 5. Something I've been feeling on my heart all day today, and uh, really it started some time back. And I hope that I can deliver this the way I feel it. I do want to say how good it is to have my in-laws in service with us tonight. Love and appreciate these folks very, very much. And um, have grown to love them more and more. And I just, I appreciate them and am glad that they're here. Amen. Got a baby dedication coming up this weekend. And, and of course, we're looking forward to that. Amen. Acts chapter 5 and beginning with verse number 12. Acts 5 and 12. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And of the rest durst no man join himself to them, but the people magnified them. And believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes, both of men and women, insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. There came also a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem, bringing sick folks and them which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed every one. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, I'll give you my title in just a few moments, but um, it's an interesting passage of Scripture. Interesting passage, encouraging passage, faith-building passage, because I know Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Does anybody believe that? Does anybody believe the same God who did these things in Acts 5 can do them in 2014? He said, I'm the Lord, I change not. And so anything that he did in this book, he can do in our lives. Amen. Praise God. And I want to see this kind of revival. I want to see this kind of thing happen. I want to see it take place right here. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Well, Put your Bibles down, lift your hands, lift your voices. Let's ask the Lord to talk to us tonight. I feel like he wants to. Amen. Let's everybody talk to the Lord together right now.
Thank you, Lord. Oh, let's praise the Lord for it right now. Can we thank him? Let's thank him by faith. Hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Acts chapter 5 is um, one of, perhaps one of the most amazing stories found in the book of Acts. It is, of course, a story of tremendous revival. Read for us again, Brother Merriman, verse 14. And believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes both of men and women. You know, I, I, I love it when the Bible speaks of multitudes. In other words, it's gone beyond the tens and the twenties, the fifties and the hundreds. It's gone beyond even the thousands. It's reached a place that it just becomes extremely difficult, if not impossible, to count the numbers of people that the Bible says are being added to the Lord. Now that's a revival. Uh, I've, I've heard men like Elder Bean talk about uh, his desire when he evangelized was that God would give him a 100-soul revival. And, and, and that's exciting, and I'd take one of those. I'd, I'd be happy to have one of those. But, but my, what a revival it is when it's beyond 100 souls and it's multitudes, multitudes of men, multitudes of women. Is anybody hungry to see that? I'm telling you, God wants to do it again. I don't believe the best days of the church are behind us. I don't believe we've got to look back at what used to be. But I believe we ought to set our sights in faith in the fact that God wants to do even more in these last days than he's ever done before. I don't believe the church is going out of here weak and anemic and sick. He meant hobbling along, but I believe it's going to be a vibrant church. I believe it's going to be a powerful church. I believe it's going to be a revival church. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. Now, let me, let me just tell you before I before I get too far into this, that there was an incident that helped to spark this revival. Uh, it's also found in Acts chapter 5. And while we shout about wanting revival, I don't know if we want it this way. For here's what happened. Acts 5 verses 5 through 11. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost. And great fear came on all them that heard these things. And the young men arose and uh, wound him up and carried him out and buried him. And it was about the space of three hours after when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. And Peter answered unto her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, Yea, for so much. Then Peter said to her, How is it that ye have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door and shall carry thee out. Then fell she down straightway at his feet and yielded up the ghost. And the young men came in and found her dead and carrying her forth, buried her by her husband. And great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things. And so this
This revival was born out of the fear of the Lord. Amen. I, uh, that's why I say I'm not sure that we want revival to come quite this way. I, 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 I'm not sure that we want to see people fall over dead because the judgment of God has come upon them. And I don't really think that it requires that to bring revival, but I will tell you, I do believe that it requires a fresh baptism of the fear of God. If there's anything that I am seeing as I travel, not only through this land, but overseas, I'm seeing that people just don't seem to fear God the way they used to. Amen. Used to be, they'd sing a little song, be careful. Amen. Little eyes, what you see. Be careful. Little ears, what you hear. Because the Father up above is looking down. We, we, we seem to forget that sometimes. And, and, and so we can cheat a little here and be a little dishonest there and never really worry about the consequences. But I'm going to tell you, if the church is going to have revival, we got to get back to fearing God the way they feared God. Amen. Well, is somebody going to help me tonight? I'm telling you, we need a fresh baptism of the fear of God. Amen. Amen. The meeting that I was at last week, the first night, Bishop Tom Johnson preached beautiful message, powerful message about how we need the glory of God to come once again. It goes beyond just having a program. It goes beyond just singing a few songs, just going through the motions, but the glory of God would fill the house again. And I believe that with all my heart, but I believe God's glory will only come to those who fear him. For the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, the Bible says. Amen. We can't live our lives haphazardly and carelessly and expect God's glory to fill the house. Hallelujah. Well, it's the truth. Amen. Amen. If we're not careful, it's very easy for us to become too familiar with the things of God. It's easy for us to lose our fear of God. But that's not really what I want to preach about tonight. I, I, I want to talk to you about this revival that, that came about what, what took place here in Acts chapter 5. Because this is a story, as I said, of multitudes being added to the church. It's also a story of phenomenal miracles taking place. Amen. Acts 5 and 12, read. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Many signs, many wonders were wrought. Uh, verse 16. There came also a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem, bringing sick folks and them which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed every one. And they were healed every one. Now that's... that's that's pretty amazing. People are coming from everywhere, Brother Merriman, and they're bringing all kinds of sickness. They're bringing the devil possessed, and the Bible says everybody got healed. I, I, know, I know there's a lot of questions in our mind about is it the will of God to always heal, and, 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 and we can debate that subject for a long time, but all I know is right here in Acts chapter 5, everybody that came got what they came for. Every sick person got healed. Every demon-possessed person got delivered. There were no exceptions. 
Ah, what a miracle. What a miracle. And of course, the miracles that we most readily recognize are the ones that are talked about in verse 15. Let's, let's read this verse. Insomuch that they brought forth the sick into they the streets. They brought forth the sick into the streets. And laid them on beds and, and laid couches. laid them on beds and couches. That at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. Now I want you to think about this. Think about this. They're laying the sick out in the streets with the hopes that Peter's shadow might just pass over them. The idea, of course, is that if, if just the shadow of this man of God would rest on us, we're going to get our healing too. If somehow he can just walk down this particular street and, 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 and do it as the sun is in such a position that his shadow would fall in our direction, then, then we're going to get our healing. Now, I've, I've preached about that. I've rejoiced over that. I've shouted because of Peter's shadow healing people and talked about what a phenomenal miracle that is. But I got to looking at that verse. I got to examining that verse. And uh, I think we ought to look at it again. Read, read it again, Brother Merriman. And so much that they brought forth the sick into the streets. They brought the sick into the streets. And laid them on beds and couches. They laid them on beds and couches. That at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. Now, now listen, I'm, I'm not here to cross swords with anybody's theology. And I'm not stating this to be a fact. But you know, when I got to reading this verse the other day, I noticed something. How many miracles does it say was performed in that verse? How many people got their healing from that shadow? Well, it's quiet. D does the Bible say that anybody was actually healed by that shadow? Or does it say that they put the sick in the streets hoping the shadow would pass? There is no clear indication that the shadow of Peter actually healed anybody. Now, evidently, the people hoped that would happen. But what struck me was twice, twice in this chapter, it specifically mentioned healings. It talked about it in verse 12. By the hands of the apostles, signs and wonders were wrought. Verse 16, a multitude came and, and brought their sick folk, and they were healed, every one. Two verses specifically talked about the miracles. This one just says people put the sick in the streets, hoping the shadow would pass by. But it doesn't say that shadow did anything. It doesn't say anybody got healed because of that shadow. Now, again, don't, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying it's not possible because God used many different means throughout the scripture to bring healing. Numbers chapter 21 verse 9. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it on a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. And so, so here God, God used a brazen serpent. 
You just got to look at it. If you look at it, you'll live. 2 Kings 5 and 10. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. And so here God used dipping in the muddy Jordan River seven times, and God brought healing through that process. 2 Kings 20 and 7. And Isaiah said, Take a lump of figs, and they took and laid it on the boil, and he recovered. And that word lump really means a cake. He said, take some figs and mash them together, make a little cake out of it, put it on the boil. God's going to use that to heal the boil. Of course, Mark chapter 5, verses 28, 29, we know about this. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that place. So God used just the hem of a garment to bring about healing. What about uh, uh, John chapter 9, verses 6 and 7? Now, most of us probably would not volunteer for this method of healing, but it's in the Bible. Read. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. He said unto him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. So I, I don't think we'll have a long line of people wanting to be uh, anointed with clay made from spit. But God used that and healed a blind man. And then, of course, Acts 19 and 12. So that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and diseases parted from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. And so aprons and handkerchiefs that had come from the body of Paul, uh, the Bible says God used that, and God brought healing and cast out evil spirits. I'm telling you, God, if God wants to use a shadow, he can use a shadow. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm only saying that when I read Acts chapter 5 and verse 15, I really don't see it happening there. I see people who expect it to happen, people who think it's going to happen, but I don't see God doing it. And I think there's a reason why. In every method that I've given to you, whether it's the brazen serpent or the lump of figs or, or dipping in the river, whatever it might be, there was always some action that was required on behalf of the person themselves. There was something they had to do in order to receive from God. Listen, there is a biblical principle found in James 5 and 14. Is any sick among you? Let him call, let, let let him call, him call for the elders of the, church, of the church and let them pray, let them over, pray him, over him, anointing him, anointing with, him with oil in the, the name of the Lord. Lord. And verse 15 says, the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. But here's the point. It, it, it requires that you desire it enough that you're going to make a call, that you're going to request prayer, that you're going to ask somebody to do something. What I'm telling you tonight is that there is never healing by virtue of osmosis. There's never healing that is just handed off passively. Well, hallelujah. I'm 
telling you what I find in Acts 15 is a group of people. There were a lot of healings going on. There were a lot of miracles going on. But there was also a group that thought we can just lay here and wait for the shadow to fall and it's just going to happen to us. But I don't see that ever happening. Amen. I'm preaching to you tonight, church. If we really want to see the revival that I'm preaching to you about, we're not going to get there by just laying around waiting for something to happen. Well, hallelujah. I know we live in the shadow of the church. We live in the shadow of God's glory. But I'm here to tell you, somebody's got to get hungry enough to pursue it. Somebody's got to get hungry enough to do something about it. We can't just lay on our beds and couches and hope that one day revival's going to fall at New Life Pentecostal Church. But if we're going to have it, we're going to have to go after it. Well, hallelujah. The Bible says that from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. They don't sit around and wait for it to come to them. They're not waiting on their monthly welfare check. I'm telling you, somebody says, God, I want it, and I'm going to get it. I'm going to pay the price, and I'm going to go after it. Oh, help me tonight, Jesus. I'm hungry for revival. I'm hungry to see miracles. I'm hungry to see souls saved. But I'm going to tell you, us just sitting here singing about revival, shouting about revival, talking about revival, it's not going to bring revival. Somehow we got to want it bad enough, we go get revival. Well, hallelujah. I said somehow we got to get up off our beds and couches and get out there where they're at. Somehow we got to become hungry enough to do something about it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. I, I'm telling you, I could walk into any one God Jesus named church in America and ask them, do you want revival? And they all say yes. And some are seeing it, and some are not. And what's the difference? God's no respecter of persons. God doesn't care, big city, little town. God doesn't care, wealthy, poor. He's no respecter of persons. I'll tell you what he does respect. He respects effort. Well, God respects investment. God respects desperation. Oh, hallelujah. Is anybody hearing me tonight? I'm telling you, there's, there, there's, there, there, the time has come that we're going to have to go beyond just singing about revival, shouting about revival, talking about revival. And we're going to have to get up and go get revival. We're going to have to fall on our faces and pray like we really want revival. We're going to have to walk the streets of this city and invite like we really want revival. We're going to have to come to church and worship like we really want revival. It's not going to happen just because we're here. 
Hallelujah. You know, we all know, we all know that Elisha became the successor to Elijah. We've often talked about the double portion and uh, even, even the sons of the prophets recognized what had happened to Elisha, 2 Kings 2.15. And when the sons of the prophets which were to view uh, Jericho saw him, they said, The spirit of Elijah doth rest on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed themselves to the ground before him. I, I don't want to make a misapplication of Scripture. And you know I'm not opposed to education. Brother Weems and I were talking yesterday on our way to the food bank. I just get a little frustrated sometimes at these college kids that get out of school thinking they know it all and they've never done anything. That's kind of the way the sons of the prophets were. See, they, they, they were the college kids. They, they had no experience, but they thought they had all the knowledge. Oh, I recognize a prophet when I see one. Well, why don't you get out there and become one? Well, see, they were the same ones that kept trying to discourage Elisha all along his way. They, they're the ones that kept giving him all the bad news. They had all the answer, what he needed to do or didn't need to do, but none of them became a prophet. Well, do we really understand how Elisha came into that position? Do we really understand the process of what took place? Let's read. Let's read. This is Bible study night. You got your Bibles? Let's read. 2 Kings chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. And it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And Elijah said unto Elisha, Tarry here. Tarry here. I pray thee. I pray thee. For the Lord hath sent me to Bethlehem. Now, now, now look. Look. At this point, Elisha has not been promised anything. You've got to get your timeline right. I've heard people talk about how that uh, he had already told Elijah, I want a double portion. And Elisha said, or Elijah said, well, if you see me when I'm taken, then you'll get it. That hasn't happened yet. To this point, I don't read anywhere in the scripture where Elisha has been promised anything. He's just working for the man of God. He's just, he's just pouring water on the hands of the man of God. He's serving the man of God. That's all he's doing. There's no promise that I see anywhere that Elisha's going to get anything. And so now, here's what Elijah tells him. Elijah says to him, he meant just tarry here, verse 2. He says to him, tarry here. I pray thee, just, just take the day off. Go lay on your bed. Go rest a while. Now, there does seem to be in the Scripture, verse 1 said that when the Lord would take up Elijah into a whirlwind, and we do know that all along the way the sons of the prophets seem to know that Elijah's time was up. So I think there's a very good possibility Elisha knew that too. Just about over for this good prophet. And so maybe Elisha now is he's being told, just, just go home and rest. I, I got some things I gotta take care of, but you can have the day off. Just take a day off and do nothing. And 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 and, and it would have been easy for Elisha to just go lay on his bed and say, Well, I'll just wait here, because when Elijah's gone, I'm the man. This is gonna be my church. I'm getting this. 
I'm getting this ministry. It's, it's coming to me. I'm, I'm going to inherit it once Elijah's gone. I can just lay back and just wait for it to happen. Elijah said, tarry here because God's told me to go to Bethel. That is the house of God. And Elisha said, as the Lord liveth as and God as thy lives, soul liveth, and as your soul lives, I, will not I am not going to leave you. So they, they went down, went down to, Bethel. to Bethel. Read. And the sons of the, the prophets of the that prophets. were at Bethel here they come here they Elisha come. and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head? Don't you know it's all over with? Don't you know said, it's all over with? And he said, yea, I and know he it. he said, I know it. Hold your peace. I'm well aware of what's about to happen. You just be quiet. I don't need your advice. I don't need your discouragement. I'm not interested in what you got to say. I got a job to do, and I'm trying to get it done. Read. And Elijah said unto him. So Elijah says to him. Elisha, tarry here, I pray you, you thee. just stay here. Take the day off. For the Lord has sent me to Jericho. I'm leaving Bethel, and I'm headed down to Jericho. And he said, as the Lord liveth, and, and Elisha as thy said, soul liveth. Uh-uh. Ain't no way. I'm not about to quit following you now. I have been on your trail. I've been serving you. I've been working for you. I'm not going to just lay around and wait for my ministry to come. I'm not just going to lay around and wait for revival to fall in my lap. Read. I will not leave thee. So they came to Jericho. So they came to Jericho. And the sons of the prophets that were in Jericho here, here they came come to Elisha again. and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? Uh -huh. And he answered, Yea, I know I it. I know it. Hold ye your peace. You hold your peace. And Elijah said unto him, Tarry, I pray thee, here, for the Lord hath sent me to Jordan. Now I'm leaving Jericho and I'm headed to Jordan. And he said, As the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And they too went on. And so the two of them went on. I'm telling you, Elisha had plenty of opportunity to just sit around and wait for revival to be handed to him. He had plenty of opportunity to just sit around and dream of what's going to happen one day. But Elisha said, uh-uh, I understand enough about the plan of God and the workings of God that if I'm going to have revival, I'm going to have to go after it. I don't know where all you're going, Elijah. I don't know what all it's going to involve. I I don't know what it's going to take, but my mind is made up. I am on the trail of my blessing, and I'm not going to be turned aside. Oh, hallelujah. And so then, then, the Bible tells us that that moment came. Verse 11, read. And it came to pass as they still went on. As they still went on. And talked. That behold, there appeared a chariot of fire, chariot of fire and horses of fire. Horses of fire. And parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha no, saw no, it. No, hang on. Hang on. I, this has nothing to do with what I'm preaching. But you know how we get into these little traditions sometimes? How many times have you heard that Elijah went to heaven in a chariot of fire? That's not what that verse said. Is it? It said there was a chariot of fire and horses of fire. It parted them, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind. Anyhow, that's neither here nor there, but swing low, sweet chariot. There wasn't no chariot Elijah got on, it doesn't look like to me. Maybe we should be singing swing low, sweet whirlwind. All right, anyhow, read. 
And Elisha saw it, and he cried, My father, my, my father, father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. Uh-huh. And he saw him he no saw more. He saw him no more. And he took hold he of, took his, own hold of his own clothes. He took hold of his own clothes. He rent them in two pieces. He took up and also he, the mantle and he, of Elijah. And he, what? Took up. He what? Took up. You mean that mantle didn't just fall around his shoulders? You mean while he's standing there watching it happen, the mantle of the prophet didn't just fall on him? No, it didn't, did it? But it fell. It was somewhere down there on the ground, but it was up to Elisha. If I want that thing, I got to go after it. I'm going to have to put forth a little action. Is anybody hearing what I'm preaching to you tonight? I'm telling you, there is a revival that God has for us. There is a revival for the church of the last days. There are miracles that we need to see, but they're not going to happen with us sitting around waiting on it to come to us. We got to go to where they are. We got to get in the spirit. We're going to have to develop a prayer life. We're going to have to do some fasting. We're going to have to do some Bible study. We're going to have to sell out to God if we really want revival. We got to pay the price. We got to pay the price. He took up the mantle. He took it up. He went and got it. He put forth the effort. Read. He took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and went back. He went and back. stood by the bank of Jordan. Stood by the bank of Jordan. And he took the mantle of and Elijah that again, fell from he him. He took that mantle that fell from Elijah and smote and the he waters. Smote the waters. And said, Where's the Lord God of Where Elijah? Is the Lord God of Elijah. And when he also had smitten, he the, had waters, smitten the waters, they parted hither they parted. and thither, and Elisha went and over. Elisha went over. And that began that double portion ministry that Elisha, amen, is recorded as having possessed in his lifetime. But friend, it didn't happen because he was sitting around waiting on it to happen. I hope somebody's getting what I'm trying to preach to you tonight. I'm telling you, church, God has said it to us time and time again. God has made promises to us, preacher after preacher, prophet after prophet. The word of God has been spoken. I'm telling you, we're not waiting on God. God's got it. It's ready. It's time for somebody to say, I see a man laying over there, and I'm going to go get it. I'm going to do whatever I got to do to bring that thing back to us. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. Give me just a few more minutes, just a few more minutes. Amen. What about the day of Pentecost? It's interesting when we really think about what happened. Let's, these are familiar verses, but let's read them again. Acts 2, verses 1 through 4, when the day of Pentecost was fully come. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with, all one, with in one, one accord place. in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled and all, all the, house the house where they were, they were sitting. sitting. Read. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues as like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And, and they were, were all filled, filled with the, with Holy, the Holy Ghost. Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Revival. I want to say revival. But do we really understand what brought about this outpouring on the day of Pentecost? Do we really understand what it took? Well, first of all, let's go back and consider the instructions Jesus gave to his disciples in telling them about this day that was coming. Luke chapter 24, verse 49. 
And behold, I send the promise of I'm my father. I'm sending the promise of you. my father. We know what that is. That's the Holy Ghost. But, I'm sending the Holy Ghost on you. Read. But tarry ye but, in the city of Jerusalem. But do what? Tarry. tarry. All right. Tarry in the city of Jerusalem. Until you be a dude with power, with power from, from on high. Now, we, we get to looking at that word tarry. And, and I'm telling you that in our minds, we think of tarrying as just a synonym for waiting. So, in other words, Jesus said, you just go to Jerusalem and just wait. Just wait, and it'll come. That's the way we read it. And, in fact, in Acts chapter 1, the word wait is actually used. Read Acts 1 and verse 4. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but, but wait for but, the promise of the Father. But wait. I will say wait. And so... And so we've got this in our mind that this is what they're doing there. They just go to Jerusalem and just sit there and wait. Watch the clock or count the grains of sand in the hourglass or whatever they're doing back then. Watching the shadow move on the sundial or whatever. You know, somewhere along the way, Jesus promised us revival. Somewhere along the way, the Holy Ghost is going to come. Let's, let's just wait around. But that's not what happened. In fact, I want to go back and look again at Luke 24 and 49. Now, if you really want to understand what he meant by this word tarry, we've got to look at another word in the verse, Luke 24 and 49. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the, city, tarry of in the city of Jerusalem until, until you be, power from until you be, and we'll say endued. The word endued is, is from a Greek word that, that actually is, I don't want to get too complicated here, but it's in the middle uh, tense. And, and, and what that means in the Greek is that's something you do to yourself. And the word endued literally means to, to clothe, to put on a garment. In fact, a number of other translations say until you are clothed with power. But even that's not accurate when you look at the tense of the Greek because it's not that you're going to be clothed as though somebody's going to walk in the room and clothe you, but it is until you clothe yourself with power from on high. Go to Jerusalem and do something until you can clothe yourself with this power. Well, hallelujah. So what did they do that would clothe them with power? Well, let's go to Acts chapter 1 and find out what they're doing in that upper room. Verse number 14. These all continued, These all one continued accord, with one accord in prayer. in prayer. Everyone say in prayer. Everyone say in prayer. Read. And supplication. And supplication. Everyone say supplication. I'm telling you, they weren't just sitting around twiddling their thumbs. They weren't just there ripping off pages of the calendar waiting for time to pass. But Jesus said, you got to clothe yourself with power. And there's only one way I can clothe myself with power. i got to get in to an old-fashioned, red-hot Holy Ghost prayer meeting. I'm going to have to get a hold of God. I'm going to have to, oh, somebody help me tonight. i got to get a hold of God. i got to pray. i got to seek God. i got to do something. I can't just sit around and wait for it. And this is what has been on my heart so strong all day today. I wonder, I wonder how many one God apostolics sing about revival, 
talk about revival, shout about revival, dream about revival, but they never pursue revival. They're just hoping that one day the windows of heaven are going to open and revival is going to fall. I'm telling you, it's not going to happen that way. If we're going to have a revival in this church, we got to start it. I said, we got to start it. Well, you know, I, I can't just go take a roast, set it in the oven and stand back and say, okay, eventually this thing, this oven's going to warm up and this roast is going to cook and, you know, somewhere along the way we'll, we'll have some good eating here. Somebody's got to start the fire, right? Somebody's got to get the heat moving. And that's what I'm preaching to you tonight, church. There is a revival to be had. And I'm telling you, if I've ever felt it, I feel it in my soul. It's our time. It's our moment. It's our hour. But we got to go after it. We got to do something about it. We got to do more than talk and sing and shout and jump. We're going to have to pursue this revival with everything that's within us. Hallelujah. Remember, remember in Acts 5, there were people getting healed in verse 12. There were people getting healed in verse 16. But in the middle of that was a group of people just sitting around waiting. I don't want to be that group. I don't want to be that bunch that just pulls out my couch, says, let me prop my feet up. Let me sit right here and hope that one day revival is going to come. I hear about a church down the road really praying people through. That's wonderful. Can't wait till it gets here. Hey, if that's our attitude, it'll never get here. But if something can stir in the hearts of some men and women under the sound of my voice, that'll say, God, I'm hungry for it. God, I desire it. God, I'm going after it. As I want to tell you tonight, Pentecost. <clears throat> Pentecost is not passive. Pentecost is not passive. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There are certain blessings that are just inherent with being a child of God. The fact that you come to church, the fact that you pay your tithes, the fact that you live holy, there are blessings you're going to enjoy strictly because of those facts. But I'm not just talking about getting a few blessings. I'm talking about seeing real, old-fashioned, apostolic revival. I'm hungry for it. I want it. I'm desirous of it. It's consuming my thought process. I'm telling you, I want revival so desperately. Is there anybody in this house, amen, who's saying, I'm tired of just sitting around hoping that one day revival's going to fall on this church. I'm tired of just sitting around talking to everybody about what one day will be. I'm ready to bring it to today. I'm ready to go get it today. I'm ready for it to start right now. Let's stand tonight. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Oh, let's talk to the Lord, everybody. Let's talk to the Lord. message to heart tonight some of you have got friends loved ones neighbors family members and not saved or when's it gonna happen when's it gonna come how long are you gonna be content to just lay back on the couch and wait for it Jesus said ask it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth. And he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. But he didn't say to those that just sit around and hope. You'll eventually get yours too. Oh hallelujah. You got to be involved in this process. You got to want it bad enough to do something. Oh, hallelujah. I wonder tonight if there's anybody willing to step out from that pew and come stand around this front, amen, and commit yourself anew and afresh. God, I'm ready to start pursuing revival. Come on, church. Brother Myers preached to us Sunday night about everybody, everywhere, all the time. Some of you still hadn't gotten busy doing any of that. Come on, we got to have revival. We got to do something. We got to get involved in this process. seek after him, cry out to him, reach out to him. I'm telling you, God wants to do it. God's ready to do it. God's waiting on us. Pentecost is not passive. We can't wait for it to come our way. We got to go after it. Seek you the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Starts with me and you. 
somebody right now. Lord, help my brother, help my sister. Help us to work together. Lord, let there be a desire that rises up within our hearts. Desire that will drive us, God, from our beds and couches. Give us a desperation to reach out with everything that's within us. revival. You want to do it, Jesus. You desire to do it, Jesus. You promise you'll do it, Jesus. Oh, that's it. Come on, church. Come on, church. I feel the Holy Ghost moving right now.
praise God, praise God. We can't just absorb a revival. We got to go get it. Amen. I'm ready. How about you? I'm ready. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. Um, while we are in this prayerful mode, I meant to mention a while ago and forgot, we need to pray for the Goff family. Uh, her grandmother, her grandmother passed away. And so um, they texted tonight to explain why they would not be here. I want to pray for them. Amen. So let's, let's pray for uh, Sister Goff and her family right now, everybody. Lord in Jesus. I ask of God that you reach down and touch Sister Goff. God, in this time of loss, oh God, I pray that you would be a comforter. I pray, God, that you would give us truth, peace. God, I pray the peace of God that passes all understanding would be with her. Help her, oh God, I pray. We love you, Jesus. We need you Jesus praise the name of the Lord praise the name of the Lord I love you God I love you God amen 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 hallelujah amen now there is also a youth rally tomorrow night uh, in Leavenworth all right 730 I'm assuming okay tomorrow night 730 youth rally you are welcome to go uh, I will not be there but um, you are welcome to go, encouraged to go, be a part of this. Brother Chad Moore, I think, is who's preaching. And uh, Brother Moore's preached here for us before. Uh, he's actually getting ready to start a church or took a church. Start a church. All right. All right, somewhere in Arkansas, getting ready to start a church down there, but has evangelized for a number of years out of the Racine Church. Um, and uh, he's preached here, as I said. But uh, I know you'll be blessed by that if you can go Friday night, 7.30 in Leavenworth. Um, then also, we did have a large uh, food bank order yesterday. Uh, close to 1,000 pounds of food. And then had quite a few more pounds brought in today. And uh, so the freezers are full. In fact, the in the food pantry, the upright green refrigerator, in the refrigerator part, there are some frozen foods. We didn't have room to put them in the freezer. So we had to just put them in the refrigerator, which means they're in the process of thawing out, which means you need to take them. Now, if they're still frozen, you obviously can just go put them in your freezer. Uh, we just got them in today about 4 o'clock this afternoon, so... I don't know that they'd be very thawed by this time, but anyhow, um, we do need you to go down and take a look at that.